0: So, what's Trending? Bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio. Welcome to our weekly happy hour today on Trending. We're going to talk about whether or not people still want God, how this relates to our happiness. A lot of people are... Not very happy today. Does it have to do with whether or not they're searching for God in their lives? We'll dive into that. We'll also talk about being spiritually agile, robust, and nimble today during our weekly happy hour. How when we are spiritually happy... It leads to total joy in all areas of our life. So we'll talk about five steps to spiritual happiness that impacts all of our life. Our spiritual life is not separate from the rest of our life, even though we tend to act as if it is. We'll also continue our series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit today, diving into that fruit of faithfulness. What does it mean to be faithful? In good times and in bad, we talk about it in marriage, but what about in the church? What about when things are difficult in the church? What about when we sin? We'll unpack that and more today on trending. I know you too probably were anticipating the imminent overturning of Roe versus Way. That is the announcement from the Supreme Court handing down their decision on the Dobbs versus Jackson women's health case. I'll tell you my thoughts. I think that it won't come until a Friday and again, historically, the court on a decision like this of such serious uh, importance and controversy usually announces this closer to the end of June. But some people are even anticipating, and we're even, even hearing some rumors, that this may go all the way into July. Why? Well, a few theories. One, often very serious court cases like this are often decided not decided, but um, ruled publicly on a Friday because, from a public relations perspective and how it hits the press, it allows the story to die down a little bit and for people to simmer down before it hits a full news cycle going into the full week. So it kind of shuts off on that end of the Friday news cycle. It only has that full day. The other part of it is that people are also saying that they're waiting and trying to delay as long as possible because the anticipation of protests. And the hotter it is, the less likely as many people are to get out there and protest. So those are a couple thoughts. And as my producer, Patrick, has pointed out as well, he just said, Obergefell versus Hodges was also announced on a Friday. Why? Well, that was a Supreme Court case back in 2016, uh, having to do with so-called gay marriage of course when things are this controversial big news often is saved for friday so that the news cycle that usually ends on friday although there's still news isn't as intense and again people have time to sit on it a little bit over the weekend so my guess again we'll see if i'm right or wrong could be any day court's taking its time here um Again, on a Friday and probably closer to the end of the month. So those are my two cents. You're listening to Trending with Tim Murray here on Relevant Radio. It is our weekly happy hour. We talk everything. Happiness, ultimately, getting away from that fleeting emotion of happiness, directing ourselves toward the virtue of joy, that is not fleeting, it is not transitory, the way giddiness and happiness and sorrow all are. We're going to talk about many t- issues today, but I'm excited to be joined today by Alyssa Tippegrin. She started the company Catholic Family Crate. You can find them at CatholicFamilyCrate.com, and they have crates, you know. A lot of women love to subscribe to beauty product crates and receive some of their favorite surprise products each month. Well, this one's a Catholic box for the whole family, having to do with everything from cupcake toppers to activities and games. And uh, the creator, Alyssa Tippegrin, is here with me today on Trending to talk about how we can bring a little bit of joy into our homes with fun activities like this, especially this summer, as there's a little less to do, perhaps, in more activities are needed. Alyssa, welcome to Trending.
1: Hi, Marie.
0: Thanks for having me. Tell us a little bit about Catholic Family Crate, especially as we're heading into the summertime.
1: Yeah, so we just realized like I was like many Catholic families um, struggling to build a faith beyond Sunday mass and just kind of overwhelmed with the church and all the beautiful teachings that are super rich and complex. Um, And, you know, for many of us parents, we don't have a lot of time or resources or to support to figure out how to distill this beautiful faith um, into fun and meaningful activities for our kids. So I just kind of found that um, myself and many other families are pushing faith to the side and everyone was suffering. So we have developed um, basically programs and resources to help families make it super easy in this modern day and age to um, bring Catholic resources to your door. So we have two um, subscription options. We have a monthly crate, which basically celebrates the lives of the saints and feast days and covers catechesis topics, virtues, and uh, the prayer to learn each month. And then we have a seasonal option that follows the liturgical season of the church and gives you things to celebrate for right now. We're celebrating ordinary time, Advent, Christmas, Lent, and the Trinuum and Easter. So it's super fun and we have like a really fun, colorful, um, uh, modern aesthetic. So it's been a really fun thing.
0: (laughs) I was recently reading an article where there's a lot of Catholic parent guilt. Uh, if you don't bake all the liturgical cupcakes and have all the liturgical foods where sometimes you feel like you're not Catholic enough. And I think, there's always a capacity to feel like you don't do something enough, especially as a parent. But there is this beautiful trend within the church to really bring back to life the Catholic faith through food through the table, in uh, doing fun things such as making desserts and diving into some of the history. Again, that doesn't mean you shouldn't be judged ha- by how Catholic you are if you hit every Saint's Day that's a major one like St. Joseph's Feast Day, or if you touch on all the little ones. Uh, but what one thing I really like about Catholic Family Crate is it gives you some things to incorporate. You know, It's not a million things to do for the month, but some sweet, fun things such as you had you know, for the Feast of the Sacred Heart, you, know, you have things like cupcake toppers, you have that virtue of the month to focus on. Can you share with us a little bit of what people could anticipate going into this season that we're now in of ordinary time and possible activities for their kids and the whole family uh, to have in this upcoming crate?
1: Yeah, so in the ordinary time crate, we um, have what's our famous liturgical art is what we call it. And so it's basically just like a little card with a short devotion on the back. So it has an illustration on the front for all the solemnities during ordinary time. So it has like feast of Sacred Heart, Holy Trinity, feast of Corpus Christi, All Saints Day, feast um, of Christ the King. And it's just like a short little card that you can pull out, pop on your prayer space, pop on your dinner table, wherever your whole family will see it. And it literally takes two seconds and then you can just share on the back a little information with your kids. Um, And I love that because it's just like such an easy way to at least make your family aware of the feast days in a way that's not like stopping everything and making cupcakes. Um, And we also have calendar stickers that coordinate. So you can like put the calendar stickers on your family calendar to know what days to change your art. And then we um, are diving into really like why Ordinary Time is so special. So we included um, some tools to teach both adults and children the art of Lexio Divina. So we have a journal in there for adults and then a little notepads for kids on Lexio Divina with some suggested verses to try out. And, then, and for those um, who
0: don't know, just to interrupt really quick, Lexio Divina is a form of meditative prayer uh, utilizing sacred scripture where you are reading a piece of sacred scripture, often from the gospel or any book of the Bible. And then you take some time, you sit with it, you pray with it, you meditate on it, you break it apart. And the goal is to bring about both the time of prayer, but also change yeah. in yourself. And so I love the tradition of Lectio Divina. It's something I try to do every day. Alyssa and so to start bringing this into the homes I think is so beneficial because often people it's often just you know priests and religious sisters who practice Lectio Divina and it's often missed by the lady unless they've had some sort of exposure otherwise so you're exposing families to meditate a prayer on sacred scripture especially as Catholics and we get that bad rap for not knowing enough of our sacred scripture or reading our Bibles enough you're actually providing the means and opportunity to open those Bibles in a way to pray and read through them. So how do you go about this? As you were saying, a journal for the adults and and one for the children, a little notepad for the children. What are kind of some of the steps that you walk through?
1: Yeah. So um, for the children's one, and like you said, it's a notepad because we know that, you know, many Catholic families are, have more than one child. And so it's like this nice kind of tear out notepad. So you can like hand a sheet to everybody. So you don't have all the kids fighting over um, one notebook. And so it starts with um, number one is read. So you read the passage several times and you pay close attention to specific words. Um, and then number two, step two is meditate on what the passage says by listening intently to God's word. And then we have some kind of like prompts and stuff to get kids to think deeper. And then step three is pray to God. So have a conversation with him about what you just read, speak to him, and then take the time to listen back to him. And um, then number four is contemplate what you heard. So share a quiet moment with God. Try, we're getting kids to try to stop and say like, what is this passage teaching me? Jesus, I love you, I praise you for, you know, insert um whatever you do and the steps for lexio divina for for adults are actually the same we obviously just have um the journal is geared towards adults and it has a little bit deeper kind of history of lexio divina and um stuff like that as well so and we do have there's a number of older kids that like like our more adult resources as well so it's also really fun for families who have a wide range of kids you could give your teenagers, the adult journal, and then you could have the notepad for your smaller kids.
0: Very neat. Now, I know sometimes, Alyssa, you'll have card games as well and various types of games. Can you tell us a little bit about some of the games that are in the crates?
1: Yeah, so we really just believe, like, so many people, like, kids learn so well by games. And so we have a really popular game called Alleluia, and it's, like, Catholic Uno, basically. Um, and it's super fun. It, you learn um, all about like various different things you'd see at mass. So the cruets and the baptismal font and um, different Catholic vocab words. And then at the same time, you're learning like a very basic understanding of sin and the importance of turning away from temptation and visiting confession. And so it's like this really fun, dynamic Catholic twist um, on games. And we have, um, I'm trying to think what else, so many games, so many games. We have one on like the virtues of vices called Sin Squash. And so it's like this really fun, fast paced game of like trying to squash out the sin out of your life and lean into the virtues. Um, One of our boxes also features like the works of mercy. And that game is called Dodge the Devil. And so it's like a holy twist on Old Maid. And so you're trying to collect pairs of the works of mercy to learn what those are and you're trying to avoid getting the double card. So we try to like make it super fun to learn about the faith and to give parents the tools to teach about some of these heavy topics and give kids like a beautiful introduction into um, the rich beauty of the faith.
0: That's Elizabeth Tipogran. You can find a Catholic Family Crate at CatholicFamilyCrate.com. Again, that's Catholic We'll post a link on social media. Just follow me at Timory. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. To catch that link, we'll also put it in the podcast notes for today's show. You're listening to Trending with Timory here on Relevant Radio. You're joining us during our weekly happy hour. And we are going to dive into a number of topics, continuing our series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit, unpacking that fruit of faith that is so important important. Again, we are in this series right after we've come off of Pentecost a week ago and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And I really, as I've said before, hate that the Holy Spirit tends to be forgotten about so easily. We make the sign of the cross and invoke the name of the Holy Spirit. However, at the same moment, we often don't know what the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit are, or what the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit are. And these are our Catholic virtues. These are to live and breathe and act with the instincts of God. So if you've not been with us on the series, we're doing one each day. So please join us. It's not too late to play catch up and listen to the prior shows where we walk through each of these 12 fruits. But right now, I want to talk during our weekly happy hour. About whether or not people still want God. We live at a time right now in the culture where, especially if you look at a lot of the ideologies of our time, where these ideologies I think, are really eating away at many people's identity. You know, there's a reason why we have identity politics. There's a reason why we have a whole gender ideology that is centered on language such as identity. And the idea of identity today is especially circling in the gender pro-LGBTQ movement is all about you creating your own definition of yourself your own identity it's not just that the human person is rejecting that we have a human nature but it goes even further than that it rejects that we even have a god now this is rather brilliant in a certain respect because what the current ideologies of the time are is they're ultimately anti-christian They're anti-God, they're atheistic, but they're not posing as such. And so what's happening today is this subtle breaking away from religion for many people as they recreate themselves. It's a modern day version of the Tower of Babel, which is quite fascinating as we all know the story of the Tower of Babel. As here, the human race all speaks the same language. And they're coming together to build this tower. And they want to make this tower go so high into the sky that they want to make a name for themselves. They want to make a name for themselves becoming like God. That They're so powerful. They, they're capable of so much that together look at what we can accomplish. We are God. We don't need God, you know. That that's the mindset. And so, what God does is He confuses their language for the first time. God intervenes in human history, introducing for the first time all of these different languages. And so, the cooperation between the people to become so idealistic, atheistic, and prideful—that's part of the reason why language was in. Introduced, Isn't that fascinating? To help keep us humble, to remind us that we still need God. But right now we're living in a modern day Tower of Babel where we're not all coming together to build a new society, to build a great building. But we're coming together around this ideology that each of us can create our own reality, that each of us can be a God. Not just ignoring human nature, but ignoring the fact that there is a creator. And so all of this is fascinating to me because I think it begs the question, do people still want God? Do people still realize they need God? Do people still desire God? Well, yes, I believe they do deep down inside, even if they're rejecting it. But it makes me think of something that happened 43 years ago. Where it was one of those moments of crisis of faith in human history. 43 years ago was the first week in June 1979. Europe at that time was split in two between the East and the West with a police state controlled by the Soviet Union. The continent of Europe had been ravaged. In Poland and other areas forced into a communist dictatorship that denied Christianity and robbed the people of God. Now at the time, the newly elected Pope, Pope John Paul II, was to return to Poland for the first time as Pope, back to his homeland. Now, the news and the government officials predicted that no one would show up. No one wanted to go and see and meet the Catholic figurehead of the church. It's interesting that news media and the government predicted this because it reminds me much of an idea we have today, and that is that humans have evolved. They don't need organized religion. They don't need a leader. You can be Catholic. You don't have to follow what the church says or what the Pope says, but you can still be Catholic and do what you want. That's basically the Catholicism that people such as President Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and let's be real, many of us ourselves kind of preach. We claim Catholicism but don't know or follow teachings of the church that we don't like or choose not to learn, to subscribe to. And so I think that the idea of the time and the time of today are very similar. At that time, it was a political regime forcing the people into an atheistic identity, persecuting Christians, introducing a government that was meant to be the God, and you were not to have God. Trying to create an evolved human race that is no longer dependent on this creationism type of perspective or on Christian morality Let the government guide you. Let the government be your God. Many people love the idea of socialism, communism today, which is what the Soviet Union was. But the same thing is happening today. In fact, it's fascinating because if you follow Soviet propaganda, Soviet propaganda in many ways is very similar to the tactics of this so-called gender revolution we're seeing in fact i'll have to post a link in the podcast notes and on social media because i had a conversation with a woman by the name of stella morabito some years ago and she worked high level uh, in the government i think maybe even for the cia uh, but studying and researching um, propaganda by the soviet union and she actually talks about how what the gender pro-LGBTQ movement is doing is following many of the same exact tactics. It's fascinating. We'll include a link on social media. Just follow me at Timory, T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. But again, this whole idea today and back then, except for then enforced by the government, is that people have evolved. They don't need God. The government can be their God. Today, you don't need God. You can determine your future. It's all about self-determination and self definition, an absolute autonomy, much following on the heels of the pro-abortion movement. Well, here's what happens. The media, government, they all predict that no one wants to come and see the figurehead of the Catholic Church. Again, they're living under a police state there. Europe is split between East and West, and here comes the newly elected Pope to Poland. Well, here's what happened more than a million people came to see the Pope. This is one of my favorite stories because I think it speaks so deeply into the world we live in. There they are in Victory Square in the old city, and the Pope gave a Mass. It was the Vigil of Pentecost, which we just celebrated in the church a little over a week ago. And as we know, at the Vigil of Pentecost in Acts, this is when the Holy Spirit came down to the apostles, hiding in fear after the crucifixion, filling them with courage and joy. St. John Paul II, at that time as he comes the people of Poland, tells the people of Poland that they have been chosen. They're to be a special witness of his cross and his resurrection. A land of a particularly responsible witness to God. And St. John Paul II asked that the people of Poland will accept the obligation of such a role in history. And men and women living in this atheistic dictatorship, with thunderous response, start chanting over and over again, We want God. They shouted again, we want God. Together they said it, we want God. Over and over again, there's this resounding cry and chant, we want God. Christ was the future of Poland. Though a different circumstance there in Europe in 1979, the West today is in a current dictatorship slyly being implemented by the rejection of who we are as human beings. We're not being directly persecuted, necessarily, always as Christians. But instead, it's a dictatorship that we ourselves are suffering by our own choices we make under the guise of the social contagion permeating in social influence today. The cry of the Polish people, we want God, is the same cry we have to resound. That we want God and we need God. And we will be the people who remind ourselves and others in the midst of the brokenness of the culture, that there's this unending thirst for God that only he can quench. And we are going to help answer the crisis of God even when other people don't know that's what they're searching for, for meaning, purpose, and identity only found in God. We'll be right back during our weekly happy hour here on Trending. So what's trending? bridging your Catholic faith with your everyday life. You're listening to Trending with Timmery on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. What's getting in the way of your happiness? I would love to hear from you. The number is 1-888-914-9149. You can always send me a message on social media as well at Timmerie. That's T-I-M-M-E-R-I-E. Who knows? You might even find a cute baby photo or two there while you are there. Actually, my little girl has had me just absolutely cracking up. She's developing more and more preferences, which come with quite a bit of stinker attitude. Today, we are fighting over whether or not she could eat her lunch while holding her pristine white little bunny in one arm. Tried to take it away. That didn't go well. And I've had this rule. No toys at the dinner table. No toys going to bed either. But boy, it was a fight today. And so finally, I'm like, okay, you can keep the bunny in that arm, but I'm going to cover it with a big napkin. And she ate one meal like, like that the other day, but then today, she wanted bunny completely. Exposed. And, anyways, it was quite the battle until she ended up on my lap while I protected Bunny from getting dirty and I fed her at the same time and somehow cut the food and the meat, everything at once. It's amazing how many arms you can grow when you're being a parent. (laughs) I digress. You're listening to Trending with Tim Marie here on Relevant Radio during our weekly happy hour. But hey, kids make us happy, right? Good times and bad. There can be some definite, absolute difficult moments. And I want to talk today about what makes us happy. It's a very generic topic, but also often hit too broadly with a stroke of the brush as if you can have those three quick tips to how to be happier. Change your life. Improve your life. I'm going to give you five tips today, but we're going to focus on a different part of your life, and that is your spiritual life. I really do hate it when we talk about my spiritual life, my exercise life, my this life, my that life. It's our whole life. Our spiritual life encompasses all that we are. A basic philosophical teaching is that We're body and soul, but mostly soul. The understanding that every single thing that is created is matter and form, but mostly form. So we have matter and the matter is important, but our form is even more important because it tells us how the material should work. So the human person, so if all things are matter and form, but mostly form, the human person is the matter is the body and the soul Is the form, so that means we're body and soul, but mostly soul. So, when we talk about our life, so often we focus on all of these tips for improvement how to improve our sleep, really important, how to improve our mood, really important, how to improve our eating habits, our exercise habits, our business strategies, all of these things, so that ultimately we can achieve one thing how can I live a happy life? What's the purpose? What's the meaning to life? Well, I would argue that most of us are missing the mark when we're searching for happiness, which is why I want to talk about five steps to not just be happy, but achieve absolute, total joy. Joy, by the way, we talked about last week, last Monday here on the podcast You can catch it at relevantradio.com forward slash trending or wherever you catch your podcast. We are there. Father Tim and I, Father Tim Grumbach and I discussed the fruit of the Holy Spirit of joy. We're in our 12 Fruits of the Holy Spirit series. We're going to talk about another one of those fruits in just a moment. That is the fruit of faithfulness. But what is joy? Joy is not happiness. It's not momentary fleeting emotion. It's not transitory. I could be sitting, as inappropriate as it might be, but I think it's such an extreme and perfect example. I could be at a funeral, totally sorrowful, but then one moment could see a family member, and an old memory sparked, and I literally feel giddy in the midst of my sorrow. And for a moment, that sorrow could be alleviated or gone, and I experience this giddiness, and then the giddiness can be completely obliterated, and the sorrow might overwhelm me again. I use that as an example because happiness is an emotion just like sorrow, just like giddiness and many of the others. But joy is a virtue. It's one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. It's a grace-filled life rooted in God. It's not wavering motion, emotion. It's unwavering groundedness in God that through good times and in bad We can maintain and sustain within our lives. So that's why we're talking about being spiritually agile, robust, and nimble. How do you do that? Well, first let's talk about what it means to be agile, robust, and nimble. You may or may not want to be this physically, but we should all want to be it spiritually. To be agile means to have quick movements. To be robust means that we're vigorous, strong, and healthy. To be nimble means that we're both quick, but also light. We're not being weighed down or overburdened and taxed. We need the spiritual component to make us all of these three things. And yes, they actually will impact the physical goals of being agile, robust, and nimble as well. Because discipline helps give us freedom. And that's so important that we understand that. So here are the five steps to spiritual happiness, but what is ultimately total joy. That's what we're working toward, but we tend to get confused when we just talk about joy and don't understand that that happiness is a part of it, but not all of it. So let's just, how about we go with what the saints say is most successful What the history and tradition of the church continues to point to when it comes to living a grace-filled life rooted in God giving absolute and total joy eternally and blissfully in heaven this is part of the roadmap of what got the saints there and they are an eternal happiness and eternal joy with God number one we need to learn how to pray Sure, you might say your Hail Marys, your Our Fathers, utter a brief prayer here and there throughout the day. Or maybe even just throughout the week. Or maybe you pat yourself on the back for showing up at church. But we need to pray. So number one, we need to implement a prayer life, bare minimum of morning prayer and night prayer. This should consist at least of 30 minutes of prayer a day can split it up, do what you need to. One could be shorter, one could be longer. But really trying to make that 30 minutes of prayer a day. Morning prayer should include some sort of offering to God, something meditative to put you in the state of setting God as your primary priority, of giving it all to Him, preparing you in the midst of your challenges, your vices, and your sins to live a virtuous life. Night prayer should include this gratitude for the day and at least include an examination of conscience as well where we're going back through that day. What did I do well today? How did I struggle? How did I absolute fall today? And where can I improve? And this examination of conscience is what is going to help prepare you as well to always be prepared for step number two of the five steps and that is going to confession monthly. So often I think people don't go to confession because they aren't aware of their sins. The longer the time between when you last went to confession, the harder it is to go. One, nerves. Two, the anxiety of kind of that, that building up of what has transpired in that time. But three, sometimes we just don't remember. Sometimes we think that maybe we haven't done that much wrong. But the reality is, is that when we're doing that examination of examination every night during night prayer, it prepares us to go to confession. It helps us to know exactly what the roadmap is when we get to confession, what we're going to ask forgiveness for, and how we are going to make that amendment a purpose and truly be remorseful and truly try to change in the face of the mercy God has just given us. And so confession at least monthly or more. I'm much more of a fan of going every two weeks if you can. And if you're really battling something, go once a month. But if you are in a state of mortal sin, you go to confession now. I'll say it again. If you are in a state of mortal sin, go to confession now. The third step in in achieving that happiness and ultimately finding total joy. Because this will help make you happy, but it's also going to get you something much better than that, and that is joy that is not fleeting and transitory. The third thing is go to daily Mass as often as you're able to. I know not everyone can go to daily Mass every single day. But if you can receive our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity every single day, you have the opportunity. There's nothing hindering you other than time. If you can go every day, most daily masses are usually only 25, 30 minutes long. Yes, there are some priests that celebrate an hour-long mass. You can take that up with... With the priest, sometimes I, sometimes I, you know, when people are really trying to go to mass before work, sometimes I have a hard time with how long those masses can be. But sometimes a priest is so good and it's such a reverent and lovely mass. You know, it's a both and. but usually mass is only about 25, 30 minutes. You can often find one, although maybe not necessarily at your primary church, often a church that's convenient to go on the way to whatever you might have going That day, at the beginning of the day, end of the day, or even a lot of churches have mass in the middle of the day, especially if you're working in more of a city or downtown area. With this, I think it is interesting to say, I wish I had the study in front of me, but I remember a few years ago, I think it was a JAMA study. I could be wrong, but I think it was a JAMA study. I don't have it in front of me right now. But the study showed that there was one group of people today that is not struggling with mental health from the perspective of suicidality or depression. And it was fascinating. That one group of people It was young women who were going to daily mass. They weren't struggling with depression and they were not struggling with suicidality. In a culture where depression and suicidality are very, very high. Why was that significant? Because they were receiving our Lord Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist, and they were going to daily mass. This was sustaining them. They were not chasing momentary fleeting happiness, but they were rooted in God, who is giving us the very life of himself. He's giving us the grace to live joyfully, which is so much better than to focus on always living happily. Joy will help make us happy, but joy is what will sustain us through the day-to-day, moment-to-moment. And this is one of the arguments for why Daily Mass is so important, because by receiving God every day, He's literally transforming us and transfixing us to Himself. And we become more in awe each day if we really do pray through the Mass of the mystery of God and his presence in the Eucharist. The fourth thing in my five tips, and again, I was making a joke that you get all these tips about how to be happy, but never do they have to do with being spiritually agile, robust, and nimble to make you happy. And that will actually lead to, again, joy. So number four is read sacred scripture. Read sacred scripture. Read it every single day. Where do you start? Okay, read one of the gospels. Read the gospel reading for today. Maybe read a gospel. Right now I'm going through all four of the gospels right now. I'm in the gospel of Mark, I think somewhere around chapter 10. And I just read a little chunk. Sometimes I'll read a whole chapter. Sometimes I'll just read a paragraph. It depends on where I'm at. And you you sit with it. You meditate upon it. We are talking about Lexio Divina earlier today during the show. You pray with that sacred scripture. Let it affect a transformation in you by union to God and a call to conversion. We receive consolation through reading the word of God in sacred scripture. God is literally speaking to us. He's just waiting for us to listen. Number five. Jesus Christ, when he came down from Mount Tabor, that is when he went through this transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and they're with him on the mountaintop. As they're coming down, the disciples are there waiting at the bottom of the mountain, and this man brings his son who has a demoniac in him, and he's thrashing about on the ground. The disciples have been trying to cast out this demon, and they couldn't cast out the demon. And Jesus makes these comments, such as, Ye of little faith, and the Father's begging, Jesus, please, your disciples couldn't do this. Can you cast out the demon? Jesus Christ does. And when the disciples are asking it, why, why couldn't we? He talks about, yes, not having enough faith, but he also says some demons can only be cast out with prayer and fasting. We want to combat the spiritual warfare and battle that we are in the midst of today. We must fast with our prayer abstaining yes from things but outright fasting from foods not just during lent taking opportunities such as on wednesdays and fridays days that the church has called us to fasting for particular petitions or intentions of others this is so important this is part of what will give us that spiritual agility that will bring perfect joy in the life to come This is what led the saints to heaven, and this is what will help us achieve so much more than that happiness that we're seeking. I'll be right back here on Trending, continuing our series on 12 Fruits of the Holy Spirit, today talking about faithfulness. We're talking about what you're thinking about. You're listening to Trending with Timory on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. pray for safety for our team. We're in the midst of thunderstorms and tornado warnings here in the Midwest, particularly in the area right outside of Chicago. And so everyone's on pins and needles praying for our team behind the scenes right now, working to continue to keep programs such as these on you in the midst of insane weather uh, that we are experiencing here. I pray everyone's safe in the midst of the storms that are ravaging the Midwest right now. We're in the midst of a 12 part series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about faithfulness, but if you weren't with me earlier, just a little heads up. If you've been sitting here on pins and needles waiting to hear what is happening with the imminent abortion case of Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health based out of the state of Mississippi, will Rose versus Wade be overturned and returned back to the states? That's what I think the outcome will be. That's also what the outcome was in the leaked uh, the leaked majority opinion, draft majority opinion by Justice Alito, that we walk through here on trending, but I want to share with you my thoughts on when this will, this decision will come. I believe it will be on a Friday, not a Monday. Could be on a Monday, but Monday or Friday. But I believe it will be on a Friday because usually from a press perspective or from a public relations perspective, issues such as these are often delivered on a Friday so that it has some time over the weekend uh, to not hit that full news cycle the whole week, to calm down during the weekend uh, and so that people will basically have time to sit on it. Uh, so I think that that will be part of it um, because when something big is often going to be announced, They save it for Friday. This is part of what was done with the Obergefell versus Hodges case. It was released on a Friday just for this similar situations, especially when something is such a hot topic. Also, I'm hearing rumors, and I do think this is more likely, that the decision will be pushed possibly into July or at least further to the later part of June, because the hotter it is, the less likely more and more people are to protest and riot. So those are just some thoughts, but I do anticipate it will come on a Friday, this Friday, next Friday, possibly even a Monday. But Those are the thoughts in the coming weeks. So stay tuned. Pray for our Supreme Court justices. Pray for their families and pray for an end to abortion. And buckle up because I believe this battle over abortion is coming much closer to home, to a state near you. And we need to fight for pro-life laws and push back against the radical pro-abortion agenda that is an absolute culture of death. As I mentioned before, we are in our series on the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit today, talking about that fruit of faithfulness, coming off of the feast of Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, remembering that the Holy Spirit is the gift, the counselor, the advocate given to us by our Lord Jesus Christ. We recognize that these fruits, also virtues, are so important in our lives. I'm going to tell you a little story that is the story of Jesus Christ when he's implementing speaking of the Eucharist, that bread of life discourse that we know comes from John chapter 6, where the disciples and the Jews are murmuring against Jesus and the Jews were discussing, disputing among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus is literally telling them, you are going to not, if you actually read the original Greek and get into the, into reading the text, Jesus literally tells them that they are going to gnaw on his raw flesh. They are literally going to drink his blood. And so they knew exactly what he was saying. There was no question about his meaning. Now we read in John chapter 6 that many of his disciples, when they heard it, said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? After this, many of his disciples drew back and no longer went about with him. Then Jesus said to the twelve, do you also wish to go away? Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Okay, why do I bring up this story in the midst of a conversation about the fruit of the Holy Spirit of faithfulness? Well, I think that St. Peter gives us a glimpse of the faithfulness that he had, but also the faithfulness he struggled with. Here is this crisis for the church. After this, many disciples drew back and no longer went about with him. They were scandalized by what Jesus Christ was saying. They found it something hard to believe and something difficult to be faithful in. And so when Jesus asks the 12 apostles, will you go away as well? St. Peter speaks for the 12 and he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? I think that that statement is what we need to remember when we struggle with something that happens in the church, a scandal. We struggle with being faithful to a teaching that might be as difficult as believing in the true presence of Christ in the Eucharist, that might be as difficult as The fact that we're called to go to confession and confess our sins, our mortal sins. There are a lot of difficult things to fully give ourselves to in obedience to the church. But St. Peter, on one of the most difficult teachings that Jesus had given yet, when Jesus is asking, Will you go too? He says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter trusted Jesus. He had faith in Jesus Christ and this is the faith that we need. Now Grant, Peter's story isn't over. He clearly struggled with faith and fidelity because as we know, he didn't stay by Jesus Christ's side at the cross and he denied Jesus Christ three times, although he did come back and that speaks volumes to his faith. And in the end, he died crucified Upside down because he considered himself unworthy to die the same fate that Jesus Christ did. And so this gives us, I think, one example of faith that even when things are difficult, we need to say to ourselves, where else will we go? You have the words of eternal life. That is an act of faith. Remember that faith is also a theological virtue. We're talking about faithfulness. chastity as we talked about the other day, is one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. And chastity, and I think one of the best definitions from the Catechism of the Catholic Church, talks about how chastity is faithfulness to your vocation. God centers us on being faithful to what He calls us to. And chastity is a part of that. The Catechism of the Catholic Church when talking about faith, and again we're talking about this fruit of the Holy Spirit of faithfulness, Is all it correlates and overlaps with one another. The catechism in paragraphs eight fourteen through sixteen, let's talk a little bit about what it says. It says faith is a the theological virtue by which you believe in God and believe all that He has said and revealed to us. And that the Holy Church proposes for our belief because He is truth himself. So in other words if faith is that virtue, faithfulness is what help us helps us to believe all that God has revealed. To help us be faithful to the church because what God is revealing is truth itself. We read from the Catechism that by faith, a man freely commits his entire self to God. You can't do that without faith. Catechism also writes that the disciple of Christ must not only keep the faith and live on it, but also profess it, confidently bearing witness to it and spreading it. So in our faithfulness, We must live out our faith, profess our faith, witness to it, and spread it. Faithfulness is a very, very high calling. But it's not that bad when we recognize it's a theological virtue and it's one of the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, fill us with the fruit of faithfulness. This is Timory from Trending with Timory. as we're in the midst of Pride Month and some of the norms today when you identify as transgender are to go through with cross-sex so-called hormonal therapy or to have a so-called gender affirmation surgery. Not possible to change your sex or any of it. I'm going to be joined by a special guest on Tuesday to talk about how he's done that and he detransitioned from all of these medical interventions. So join me Tuesday, 6 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio.